mm-hmm. you've got to go to the experts. Yes. And this man is the expert. Yes. Daniel Garb, he joins us now. G'day, Garby. Thanks for your time. Hello, Rory. Hello, Timmy. How are you, boys? Yeah, we're very excited. But look, uh, one thing I was interested to hear is that Australia and New Zealand have pulled out of the 2034 World Cup bid. What's behind that? Well, it's not surprising, really. I mean, the front runner is Saudi Arabia. And let's be honest, the financial disparity is enormous. Mm. And I think Football Australia were wary of getting caught in the same position that they did in 2022, or the lead up to that World Cup anyway, when Qatar won out and uh, all our money eventually um, amounted to not much. Yep, so right. I can understand why they've done it. We're coming off the high of the recent World Cup. Mm. It's been so successful. Um, I'm not quite sure we want to prick that balloon just yet, do we? Right. Um, so. I think it's uh, probably a a safe approach. We focus on getting the 2026 Women's Asian Cup where the Matildas would be on home soil in a big tournament again. That would be a juggernaut. The 2029 FIFA Club World Cup they want. Put the big money into the 2034 edition when Saudi Arabia have said they want it and we know what their position is now, not just in football, but in every single area of world sport. They are going gung-ho at it in a very difficult defeat. I think it's a smart move. Well, the way I read it, Gabby, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, bids were meant to be in by October 31, and no one was ready, least of all us. Saudi Arabia said, oh, hang on, we are. In goes the bid, and they get it handed to them in 2034. Do you know what FIFA stands for? Starts with a C and ends in a T, Gabby. Well, yes, I dare say that uh, Saudi Arabia were ready. They gave no one else much time to get ready. And uh is more than happy with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I hope I didn't so I'd be yeah, absolutely I mean, shocked if it's anywhere else in the world. Okay. And, I mean, we're just growing accustomed to it, I guess. Yeah. Another one, um, Ballon d'Or. Did I say that right? Ballon <laughs> the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. I said that right, didn't I, Garvey? You just said it slowly, yeah. that's all. Yeah. <laughs> um, how can Messi win that when he's in a, well, I'm not going to call it a B-grade competition, and the bloke that came runner-up, is a star in probably the best domestic league in the world in the Premier League. I, I scratched my head when I woke up to that news today. Yeah, well, because the voting is based on last season, not the one that is underway oh, at the well, moment. Well, well fickle. <laughs> <laughs> Garby, Garby, stick your manners back in, Rowie. Because you, you vote, you're, you're one of the um, voters, aren't you? I'm the Australian judge, There yeah. you go. Uh, uh, yeah, great honour to be able to vote on behalf on of Australia. It's something you take very seriously. Uh, every single FIFA member nation has a journalist that votes. Okay. I was asked six years ago to do it, and it's a huge honour. So, yeah, you take it seriously. And Messi was always going to be the favourite. So, you know, his, the World Cups carry enormous weight yes. in the, the voting structure, um, as they should, really, because of the importance placed around them. That. And the pressure yeah. on him was monumental, as we know. His last World Cup, he announced that. To lead Argentina to glory in the manner that he did helped his case enormously. He still had a Excellent season for PSG in France, as expected. So that led him to, uh, to topping the vote count. Erling Haaland had a massive claim as well, won the treble with Man City, broke scoring yeah. records, and Mbappe was right there too. It was a, mm. a clear top three, yeah. um, but yes. Messi was always likely to get the most votes to win it, and he did, and that's an eighth time he's done so. So he's three ahead of Ronaldo now. When it comes to the GOAT debate, the Ronaldo wow. camp a little quieter today. Yes. Um, they haven't been shut down completely. So, yes. yeah, he's just an all-time sporting legend. And uh, a nice little uh, tip of the hat. He said, uh, Diego Maradona, it's his birthday today, so 
I'd like him to be uh, remembered, surrounded by the best players and coaches and people who love football like Good he did. That was a nice little gesture. Yeah, a really nice touch. He's he's a bit like that, isn't he? I think he's. It's almost a deflection off of himself. I think it's just <laughs> Maradona is God in Argentina, and yeah. so is Messi now. Yeah, uh, it's been really be. interesting. You know, Maradona. Without getting to get too deep into this, I mean, Maradona was always the man of the people. Yep. Um, and he was just uh, Argentinians were infatuated with him because they felt as if he was one of them. Messi never quite had that relationship with the Argentinian. Supporters. He was a little bit more distant. Uh, they didn't quite feel as if he was. I mean, of course, they adore him, but mm. didn't have that same emotion with the fans. A little bit more reclusive. But this World Cup changed all of that. Yeah. Now that he's won it for them, yes. and, you know, the real emotion and passion and his ability to deliver for them on the world stage came through in Maradona style. Mm. Then it completely changed his relationship with the fans as well, and he's right at that level now too. Well, let's hope he doesn't go down the Maradona path, but the old <laughs> sniffy, sniffy, cokey, cokey. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Kerr, third in 21-22, second in 23. So I think next year she could win it, Garvey. <laughs> yeah, I guess the shame is that the Home World Cup offered her, in everyone's minds, the chance to finally win it. Mm, now, that's yes. not what she plays for, of course, but we all thought, you know, another cracking season with Chelsea, won so much, scored so many times. All right, the Home World Cup, she's going to have a big tournament. This is her chance to win the Ballon d'Or. And then, of course, the calf pings, the calf herd around the nation, of course. Yep. And, uh, you know, that obviously derailed her World Cup campaign and affected her chances of winning the Ballon d'Or. And as I said, World Cups carry enormous weight. And uh, Bonmati of Spain had an excellent tournament, led Spain to glory, and she won the award. So... Sam's finished second for the first time ever after finishing third in the two years previous. As I said, you know, we grow accustomed to her achievements. They feel normal now in Australia. We need to take a step back and realise how special that is. Mm, you know, any cool. Australian that finishes on the podium in the men's or women's Ballon d'Or, Unreal. quite incredible. So yeah. hopefully her time will come. But, uh, yeah, she's getting closer but not quite there. And the calf injury, I think, uh, had an impact on her ability to win yeah. it. I'll give you one. Gabby. Nestor here and Kunda in the future could be a Ballon d'Or winner. There, you did you see that? Did you see that free kick? Of course, oh, of course, God. he might win it. He might win it one day. He's special, and uh, enjoy every single minute of him in Adelaide. Yeah. That's all I'll say. We'll yeah. Enjoy every single second that he plays in the red because he's going overseas eventually. He's going overseas soon. Bayern Munich want him badly. Try to get him. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying to Ange Postacoglu, sign him, get him yes. over to England when you can. It's going to happen soon, but uh, for now, get down to Hindmarsh Stadium mm. every single weekend and watch this kid in the flesh because we'll he may just be one of the very best we've produced. Yeah, you're right, Garby. And the thing I was saying to Rowie last mm. night was that I said, I'm liking it to almost watching Josh Giddy when he was at the Adelaide 36ers. <laughs> we know that's a special talent. We know we're not going to have it for long. Uh, you've got to get down there and watch it, and you're spot on because oh, I love what Carl's doing down there. Carl V, it's just blooding all the kids. There were six teenagers in that lineup, uh, three that started, and they all contributed and brought about this incredible enthusiasm. And of course, Nestry now getting the opportunity to start games is just lighting the whole stadium up. And what uh, and what he's done as well is diluted the impact of the loss of Craig Goodwin, which is enormous, of course, and that's Correct. going to be felt at some stage, but. You know, to cover that in the early part of the season, for the Reds to be as rampant as they are to start the campaign, the entitled discussion, 
Long way to go, of course, after the loss of the best player in the comp in Craig Goodwin, the Johnny Warren medalist, is great. So, yep, Adelaide are a stunning side, and Erin Kunder is as exciting a talent as we've got, if not the most. So uh, enjoying while you can, and it just gets a hindmarsh because that place is rocking and the Reds are flying. Go enjoy it. Mm. Matilda's tomorrow, Chinese Taipei, what will that be, 12 nil? Probably around there, yeah. I mean, look, they'll... <laughs> A couple of players, I mean, Van Egmond and Carpenter have already gone back to their clubs. Courtney oh, Vine's okay. injured. Yeah. They'll rest a few more and let them uh, adjust back into club life and they'll give others an opportunity. So it might not be uh, that severe, the scoreline, but uh, the Matildas easily. Love your work, Garby. Thanks for your time. Okay, thanks, boys. He's a ripper, Daniel Garb, world game expert and ballon d'or judge. Mm. What an honour that is. Oh, yeah. Good, he knows the... It's best award he, in, he knows in the, the world game. In the world. It is.